I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Stephanie Valoris. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by analyst Ali Mellon to discuss some of the best and worst practices when it comes to handling enterprise breaches across regions. Welcome, Ali. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So I feel like I read about a breach almost every day in the media. And I really want to know, is that hype? Because that makes it for a good news cycle? Or is that really the reality on the ground? Can you you know, provide a little data and context for what we're maybe reading in the news almost every day. Absolutely. So this was, um, first off, it's not all hype (laughs) and it is quite important, but the most important thing here is that it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this research on the state of enterprise breaches was to really understand how much of it is hype, what's driving it, What are the actual hard numbers and how can we use those numbers to help our clients better understand where they fit and and give them some type of understanding of what the rest of the world is experiencing with them? So every year we run a survey uh, of security leaders, actually security decision makers, of thousands of security decision makers to better understand their security strategy, what their challenges are, what the last year has looked like for them and what the future is for them. And I pulled from a lot of that data to better understand how they were experiencing breaches and what may be driving some of those experiences and some of those challenges. And what I was really excited about with all this data is that I was able to pull it by different regions. One of the things that I've noticed covering security operations at Forrester is that our clients have very different experiences in different parts of the world when it comes to security, in part because of the historical challenges with IT in different regions. But ultimately, what I wanted to call out in this research was showing what those differences look like and and finding what's motivating those differences based on regional challenges. So over you know, maybe year over year, are we looking at a significant increase sort of same, you know, year over year um, number of breaches across the enterprise? Yeah. So globally, we are actually up 4% from last year with the number of orgs breached at least once. So we are up at 63% of organizations breached in the past year. And that is up from 59% the year before that. Now, (laughs) this is unsurprising, honestly, given the number of breaches that we hear about and that are talked about. Honestly, more and more we're seeing cybersecurity become important, privacy become important. But the thing that really strikes me about this data is the context that we can put it in. Because one of the other questions that we ask every single year is, what are your top challenges? We ask security decision makers this to try to better understand how their challenges are changing or not changing. And what we found is the top two challenges for security decision makers for the past three years in a row are IT complexity and the changing and evolving nature of IT threats. So what we're seeing is regardless of all the cool new fancy technology we're getting, regardless of all of the changes that we're seeing in the industry, not only are security leaders struggling with the same 
two challenges, but they are also finding that more organizations are getting breached. So a very bad combination in my opinion, but an interesting one because I also dug into this a little bit more to identify, okay, so we know that more organizations are getting breached, but are they getting breached more times? And ultimately what we found was that organizations were breached an average of three times. This is actually slightly less than the previous year, which makes sense in the context of the big shift that we saw the year prior with the move to remote work during the COVID-19 pandemic. But what it also signaled, especially in the context of all this other information, is that we need to move from a prevent all breaches mindset to a post-breach mindset, prioritizing resilience. What we're seeing is most orgs are going to be breached. It's just a matter of controlling how many times they're breached, controlling the costs associated with it, controlling how quickly they recover. So we're continuing to see the data move in that direction. And it was definitely interesting to contrast the fact that more organizations are being breached, but they're being breached fewer times. One other interesting thing that I saw in your your research too, Ali, was the types of breaches. I think when people hear breach, they automatically assume oh, it's an external attack. It's a cyber adversary. It's some nation state actor. It's a criminal syndicate. It's a lone hacker, whoever it might be, but it's external. Um, Certainly external attacks are responsible for a large portion of the breaches, but not all of them. Um, There were a lot of breaches that were results of insiders, tons of breaches that were the results of third party. Absolutely. One of the cool things that we do with this survey is we ask a lot of questions that can be pretty easily compared. And in this case, I compared two different questions, one of which was, what type of external attack would you be most concerned about causing a breach versus the question of what actually causes the breach, what type of external attack? And by drawing a comparison between those two questions, I was able to find that organizations globally and by region are much more concerned about external attacks than any other vector, whether it's insiders or third-party compromises or even something as basic as a lost or stolen asset. But in reality, the breaches are actually split much more evenly between those four. Now, of course, external attacks are a significant chunk of the causes of breaches. However, when compared to the concerns over what's causing the breaches, it's way off kilter. Ultimately, there needs to be a realignment and a readjustment of expectations so that we can better understand what is actually causing these breaches and how can we improve and put resources in our security strategy towards making sure that that doesn't happen, towards prioritizing things like making sure that lost or stolen assets are properly wiped immediately when it's identified that they've been lost or stolen, properly encrypting the information on them. So even if you can't wipe them remotely, you are at least sure that that data is not going to be compromised. I was curious, Ellen, when we talked about the frequency of breaches, so more two-thirds of companies have experienced at least one breach, or I should say organizations, you know, it could be public institutions, and the average is three. Do we have any sense of what these breaches are actually costing organizations? Yes, we do. So this was some other information that I found particularly interesting. You know, there are a lot of security vendors and in particular who put out research similar to this and and find 
some interesting numbers around breach costs, around time breached. What I think is important to note about this research and, and about these numbers is that we really focus on that large enterprise model. So when you're thinking about these numbers, it's best to think about them in that context. And with that in mind, uh, what we found was that enterprises spend a median of 37 days and a mean of 2.4 million to find and recover from a breach. We have this separated out in the survey into a couple of different questions, specifically around how long does it take you to actually find an adversary and eradicate an attack, which was a median of 27 days. And then how long does it actually take you to recover from that breach after you found the attacker and gotten rid of them? And that typically takes about 10 days. And the 2.4 million number here is particularly interesting and helpful for practitioners because it gives them a benchmark and something to pull from when they want to talk to the board or the rest of the C-suite about how much this could actually cost their organization per breach. Of course, it is just an average, and so and it's an average globally, but we also dig more specifically into the other data to see what this looks like at a regional level. And one of the most interesting findings from this was we found that organizations that had a lack of adequate incident and crisis response preparation took a median of 35 days to find an adversary and eradicate an attack and 11 days to recover from a breach, which is significantly more than without. Similarly, it also cost them a mean of $3 million. So ultimately, a lack of the appropriate incident and crisis response preparation ahead of time prior to a breach cost them another $600,000. So when looking to make the case for why preparing the entirety of the organization for an incident is so important, these are the types of numbers that can be helpful to do that. And I'm curious too, you mentioned that there were regional differences. What, what did you see by region? The region that was hit hardest by breaches in 2021 was Asia Pacific. They ultimately had a lot of trouble getting the right security tech and suffered more attacks because of it. So in 2021, 68% of respondents in APAC stated they had at least one breach in the last 12 months compared to that 63% globally. So that's a big change from the global average. It's also a big change from 2020, where Asia Pacific experienced breaches that were much more on par with the rest of the world at 61%, where the global average was 59%. There are a couple of different reasons for this that we drilled into in this report. First, of course, there's a real focus on Asia Pacific following the COVID-19 pandemic. Naturally, when a lot of the societal conversation is around a particular area. We see attackers move and have more interest in that area. But also, 28% of security decision makers at breached enterprises struggle to convince the organization of the business value of security purchases. This is eight points higher than the global average. And, and this one is kind of, um, <laughs> kind of a double-edged sword, they also found that 30% of security decision makers at breach enterprises in Asia Pacific cited ineffective detection technologies as one of their top challenges. That's way higher than the 22% that cited this globally. So not only were they struggling to with ineffective detection technologies, 
but they were also struggling to make the business case to get better ones, which is ultimately a self-fulfilling cycle. Right. So for years, you, you know, organizations in APAC weren't necessarily the target of breaches. So, you know, you don't have the headlines, you don't have the pressure from customers, you don't have the pressure from partners, you don't have regulators and um, government agencies breathing down your back. So as a consequence, it's tougher to make the business case, you're not investing. Suddenly there's a swing um, in the focus and you start feeling increased attacks, but you're you're unprepared um, for them, or you're at least underfunded and a little bit under underprepared for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas in North America, I've been getting beat up for decades. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. And and we did see the effects of that as well. I mean, in North America in 2020, there was um there were a lot of challenges and it was one of the major priorities for security decision makers to prioritize business buy-in. And we saw that reflected the next year where the um, number of breaches decreased for them. And also they were able to get a lot more business buy-in than they had before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you hear a number like 63%, I think the specific number in North America, you said was 59%. I mean, that number is still unacceptably high, but I can say, you know, I first became, um, I was a research director in 2010 for security and risk before my current role. Um, and at that point, the survey actually had the percentage of companies who experienced one breach in the high 70s. So we actually have made some significant progress over the decades, you know, with investment, with more skills, with raising profile, reporting to the board, getting that kind of corporate and uh, C-level buy-in uh, just to get to the 59% of companies that have been breached. It's difficult to place it on just one thing, yeah. what has actually helped us quite a bit. And I think that that's, it definitely is good to hear that we've been able to decrease this number, but it also gives me pause because I don't necessarily think that we should be shooting for a 0% number. Ultimately, we need to think more about resilience than about and, and having a post-breach mindset than we do about stopping every breach. Obviously, the ideal scenario is you wouldn't have any breaches, you wouldn't have any incidents, you wouldn't have any attacks on you at all. Yeah. But we need to to recognize that for especially for large organizations, the reality isn't going to be that. And we need to not only kind of make it we need to make transparency around breaches more understandable and acceptable. And I hope that these numbers are able to to highlight some of that. Yeah. You you can never get to zero because to get to zero means you're not in business. There's no there's no business strategy. There's no growth strategy. There's no experimentation with emerging tech. There's no experimenting with new customer experiences. There's no experimenting with solutions for employee productivity if you're shooting for, for zero. Um, but it, you can't, there is improvement from 63% of companies experiencing a breach every single year. There's probably still room there, which might be a good, good place to transition to some best practices from each region and maybe practices to avoid. So we can maybe start off with North America. If we look at the lessons learned of just recent years or even over the decades. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we kind of, we touched on this a little bit, but in 2020, breach organizations in North America really made a pivot to try and focus more on um, visibility and influence within the organization. So according to our survey from 2020, 37% of security decision makers said that a lack of visibility and influence within the organization was a top challenge for them. Now, In 2020, breached organizations in North America cited improving their alignment of security to business strategy goals as a top priority for the year at 42%. That was quite a bit higher than the global average. And it's paid off, and we see that through the numbers of how North America was breached last, but also only 17% of security decision makers cited lack of visibility and influence within the organization as a top challenge in 2021. So a significant decrease from the prior year. Okay. Any uh, best practices or lessons from from Europe? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I found to be very interesting is that European regulations to prioritize things like breach disclosure seem to have an effect on actually reducing costs, which is very interesting, especially as we look to the future and as we see more governments prioritizing regulations around breaches. So the median number of days an attacker has access to an organization's network in Europe is down at 23 days, which was lower than the global average of 27 days. Organizations in Europe also were able to recover much faster than other organizations in a median of eight days. They also cost organizations less than other regions at 2 million in total per breach. So we linked that back to the EU's compliance-centric security approach to prioritize immediate breach disclosure and repair with GDPR. And what was very interesting as well is that Europe had the least number of security decision makers rank a lack of adequate incident and crisis preparation as one of their top challenges at 16%. And I think that this speaks to the effect that the regulations have had, because ultimately, if you can't respond quickly, you can't respond to the government's regulations quickly either. So they needed to prioritize it as part of the business, otherwise potentially face the wrath of the government there. What about some worst practices, maybe starting with Europe? Yeah, absolutely. So this was something that as I was reviewing the data, I was really interested in because one of the things that I talked to Paul McKay, another analyst on the security and risk team about who who is focused more on the on Europe specifically, who is based out of there, is that Europe has really tended to struggle balancing security requirements with a shift in business strategy to the cloud. So Europe experienced an uptick in the percentage of businesses affected by breaches from 55% in 2020 to 62% in 2021. Pretty bad news. (laughs) And a lot of this hesitancy, or a lot of this is due to their hesitancy over cloud adoption and the movement towards sovereign data clouds. And that was really exemplified by breached European businesses prioritizing establishing Um, security strategies for public clouds at 27% in 2021 compared to 24% globally. Just just so I understand, are you saying it's their uh, tendency to not move to the cloud? Yes. Yeah. And this was really interesting to me and to Paul because it showed us something that we talk a bit about, but, but haven't really been able to delve into with some numbers yet, which is that Ultimately, when we think about security, we think of it as a 
um, oftentimes, at least historically, as the office of no, when in fact, we really need to be the office of yes, we need to be enabling, just like you were saying earlier, Steph, new and emerging technologies, the business using them, creating new customer experience and things like that. And so this is one example where their hesitation to move to the cloud may have actually been a negative for them from a security perspective. Yeah, this is this is one of those instances where I feel like there's, um, you know, oftentimes people conflate security and privacy. They they are different things. So, one argument to move to the cloud is because the cloud providers, particularly the hyperscalers, they do actually have really strong security embedded into their cloud services, and the way that they achieve the scale that they do is uniformity in their infrastructure. Um, both at a at an actual hardware level, but at a software level, they have really sophisticated processes internally, which which make which is like the opposite of on-prem environments, right? On-premise environments, you know, the number one challenge you mentioned for IT security pros is complexity. In a lot of cases, moving to public cloud, it eliminates some of the complexity. Now, if you're using multiple clouds and you're you continue to run on-prem, that actually just increases complexity. But in general, the cloud providers, particularly the hyperscalers, have very good embedded security. That doesn't alleviate privacy concerns, though, and that's what's been causing the hesitation, which is you might be a cloud provider who actually has physical data centers based in Europe. It does not mean that you know the long arm of uh, the U.S. Justice Department can't get to you. So a lot of European companies, I think rightly so, are worried about the fact that private information of their customers and their consumers and their partners, even though they might be hosted in uh, physical data centers located in Europe, could still be subject to um, US, uh, US law. And that's, that's, the, that's the issue. So there's sort of a trade-off between good security and good privacy in this case. Absolutely, yeah. The, the cloud sovereignty issue plays a huge role in this. But we've also seen that Europe in general has been more hesitant to move to the cloud. Um, it, I'm sure that the data sovereignty issue plays a big part in that, but it's not the only aspect of why they're hesitating to move to the cloud, why organizations, I mean, a few years ago, we saw this with all organizations really struggling, especially security, with the move to the cloud and with giving away some of the trust that they that they have with their existing setup on-prem. Um, we continue to see that for a bit, but 100%, the privacy issue is is very important here, and it comes into play when you think about things like GDPR as well. Yeah, that one almost seems like it just seems like a catch catch twenty two. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. We talked a little bit about APAC, um, but maybe same thing there: best and best practices and some lessons learned. Yeah. So from a lessons learned perspective, a lot of this comes back to um, the difficulty that organizations in Asia Pacific have had convincing their organization to spend on security and how they can balance that with the te detection technologies they have being ineffective. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, 28% of security decision makers have reached enterprises in APAC struggled to convince the organization of the business value of security purchases. And they really struggled as well with ineffective detection technologies. And so it, it is that self-fulfilling cycle where they're, they're struggling with the technology that they have, but they can't make the business case for the new technologies that they need. And as you mentioned, this has been particularly 
of a big effect given the the renewed focus on APAC following the the pandemic. So that mix is is what's really important to highlight here is that finding alternative ways to get that buy-in than necessarily what you're finding and relying on what you're finding and how your detection technologies work to make the business buy-in case is very important. Yeah. And let's not leave uh, North America out. So, I mean, North America has made a lot of progress over the, you know, the decades that I've been keeping a close eye on cybersecurity, but there's also places where North America, I think, lags, um, other other parts of the world and their sophistication and their competence and security. So I guess a couple of those key areas, if you could highlight them. Yeah. So breach costs actually really hit North America very hard, much harder than any other region. Breaches in North America cost on average $3 million, which is the same as the global average when taken into account those that lack uh proper incident and crisis response preparation. So significantly higher, $600,000 higher than the the global average over all organizations. And what's more, organizations in North America that struggled with lack of incident and crisis response preparation, it cost them $4 million. So it cost them a whole million dollars more when they struggled with incident response and crisis preparation. And that's a pretty big and consequential leap, especially when we're talking about into the millions like this. So what's important to highlight about this is that 15% of security technology decision makers in North America cited um, that one of their most critical security priorities was improving and measuring incident response capabilities, which is up from the global numbers. So hopefully we will see those costs come down. But in particular, and this was reflected not only in the the monetary and financial data, but also in the time it took North America to recover from breaches. They took a lot longer, a lot more days than the global average to recover from a breach, and, and even more in the case where they lacked incident and crisis response preparation. So that is the name of the game for North America right now, is making sure that they are prepared for these types of breaches so that they can reduce costs because inevitably it's going to cost them a lot more than if you're looking at other regions. So what is the security leader to do? <laughs> so much. I mean, this is amazing data, right? And to have it at the regional level is, is super um, critical too, right? Not all regions are created equal and obviously market dynamics are distinct and as are regulations. So, um, what are your sort of top takeaways here for security teams um, as they move forward? Absolutely. So definitely the first and most important is that adapting to regional challenges within global companies is an imperative. It's incredibly, incredibly important. Um, your global strategy is going to have to change based on regional requirements. And so it's very important to adapt the timelines that you have, the strategy that you have, and the metrics that you have to address some of these regional limitations and set the proper expectations for what success is going to look like in these various regions. The second and very important one that's near and dear to my heart, (laughs) being in a research organization, is to follow the data. Following the metrics is always going to lead to better outcomes. And while a lot of the data that we talk about in this survey is obviously not specific to your organization because it is an average and and surveys a number of different organizations, being able to 
find this data for yourself to identify what's actually causing breaches to happen, to find out how many times you're getting breached and whether or not that's improving year over year is going to make the difference, especially with such a heated and sometimes emotionally charged topic as a breach or as the loss of customer data. And then lastly, uh, be sure to prepare your teams for the potential of a breach. Business resilience requires breach preparedness. And to actually be able to make sure that you're prepared for breaches, it's very important to not only have incident response and crisis plans, but also to test them and to have them not just for the security team, but for the entire organization. Ultimately, when a breach happens, it does not just affect security or it does not just affect IT. It affects marketing. They have to be able to know how to communicate about the issue. It affects, obviously, legal, but customer success, sales, HR, it can affect the entire organization. And so making sure that everyone knows what to do in the event of a breach, how to approach it through the lens of the company's values is very, very important and requires some pre-planning because ultimately when you're faced with that type of situation, it can feel like every second counts because it does. So make sure that you are preparing the organization fully in the event of a breach. And you can also use that to get some of the business buy-in that we're talking about. Because I can tell you, having been in the room for some of these um, exercises and tabletops, there's nothing that prepares a CEO more for the challenges of a breach than actually having to experience one, even if it is uh, just a tabletop exercise. Great advice. Thank you for joining us today, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.